Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, badder, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance and a fancy SVP title, I left corporate America to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the marketplace, and the boardroom. Now the CEO of my own media company, my goal is to change the world for my daughter and her friends. My first book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, dropped this fall and is based on what women wish they would have known when they were girls. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a safe place for us to share our goals and our dreams for the future. We record every week from the sound studio at The Space LV. Rosie Acosta is a yoga and meditation teacher and a teacher trainer. She is an expert at helping her students cultivate a life of mindfulness, presence, and intention. An East LA native troubled teen who suffered from depression, anxiety, and overeating, she turned her life around with yoga and meditation. Rosie is a certified nutritionist and life coach and the founder of Radically Loved Yoga Health and Wellness. She has used her expertise to work with NFL champions, NBA all-stars, Olympic athletes, as well as students in her community and as a volunteer with at-risk youth and Afghanistan veterans. In all her work, Rosie teaches and practices radical love and uses this as a guiding force to overcome adversity. Through yoga, healthy lifestyle choices, mantra, and self-inquiry, she aspires to help others find their unique gifts and fire within. She creates practices for her students and connects with people in a way that helps her students live radically loved lives. Her articles can be found in Mantra Magazine, Mind Body Green, Fox News Latino, Pop Sugar Fitness, Well and Good, and Evolve Fit Wear. She can be found teaching yoga and coaching workshops around the country, as well as leading international teacher trainings. Rosie is also a proud ambassador for Yoga Journal, City Silence, Manduka, and Living Yoga. So many people ask me about my yoga and meditation practice, and I think this episode will shed some light into the beauty of both and how to approach what may seem scary if you haven't gotten the spirit just yet. Let's dig in. I am so excited to have with me today Rosie Acosta. Um, Thank you so much for agreeing to be on my podcast. I have been fangirling your work since we started. We talked recently. I was on your podcast. Thank you. Yes. Oh, are you kidding? I'm so honored. And I, we talked about it on my podcast, but I read your book and I was just so inspired and oh. I'm, I'm equally as uh, excited and, and fangirling. Yay. We just, before we got started, I told Rosie that we have to meet in person because she's gonna, I, I've been, I've been wanting to do yoga teacher training and she's like, okay, I'm convincing you. So that's, <laughs> this is the next step in, in the evolution of this conversation. Um, I really wanted to get, um, I want to pick your brain. I want to talk to you, um, because, um, you are all things yoga and meditation and mindfulness, and you're so passionate about it. It comes from such a beautiful place that I was hoping we could kind of dig in to what brought you here, um, why this is your life's work, why it's so important to you, and then talk to um, our listeners about um, how they can start uh, building a mindfulness practice. So let's start from the beginning. Like, What's the journey been to get to this place? I'm like, whoa, how much time do we have? Let's because do it. I, <laughs> um, well, it, I, and I, and I talk about this in interviews and in my podcast as well, but 
I, the reason why yoga and meditation became such a powerful stronghold in my life was because it's really what saved my life. Mm. Um, I, I grew up in East Los Angeles during the LA riots. So it, I was in an environment in a neighborhood that was, we would get the, you know, like avid drive-by shootings and you'd hear people uh, fighting and there was constantly sirens going off. And, you know, we lived in, I come from an immigrant family. And so there was a lot of people, there was a lot of family members, like there's just a lot of humans in a tiny two bedroom apartment. And for somebody growing up that way, I mean, you're, you're constantly in a state of fight or flight, which is there's, you're, you're just operating from a different level. And as a young child, when this is all you know, you you don't know any different, right? It's just, and it's not just you, it's it's your friends, it's the people you go to school with, the school environment you're in, it, it, it's just part of a lifestyle, right? So so this is part of how, what, what created a certain level of anxiety and tension in my childhood. So by the time I, I became a teenager, at this point my parents had separated and you know, I, for a while lived with my father and my grandmother and my older sister went with my mother. And so during this time I ended up moving in with my mother. And so her and I had a very tenuous relationship because there was a lot of reasons why, you know, part of it felt, uh, like I was, uh, sort of like abandoned right by my mother when my parents separated. Mm. That's kind of a side note, but so I was also raised around a lot of ritual. Like my grandmother was the neighborhood, um, like healer, prayer, vigil, um, wise woman. You know, she came from this indigenous family in, um, from Peru, they moved to Mexico and then she, you know, came to the States. So we were always surrounded by this ritual and especially when there was, you know, constantly, elderly women, mothers, sisters, daughters coming to our apartment to pray because somebody got shot or somebody Mm -hmm. went to jail or somebody got arrested. It was just this, this was the, the environment. So by the time I became a teenager and I moved in with my mother, I started to suffer from these really debilitating panic attacks and anxiety. And I had insomnia and I wasn't able to, um, self-regulate. I, I didn't know what that was and nobody nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. You know, and there was some avid drug use, you know, I was smoking marijuana every day and ditching school and it, it I became a you know, that rebellious teenager that was just really suffering. Mm-hmm. And again, nobody could figure out why nobody could put the pieces together that it was perhaps the way I was raised <laughs> that my childhood had maybe something to do with the fact that now my body was reacting in a in a certain way. And so during this time I got in trouble with the law and I had been getting in trouble with the law and I was becoming that victim of my environment, right? Not even a victim. It's like I was predisposed to the socioeconomic conditions of my Mm -hmm. environment. Like that's what was happening. I was just living up to the expectations of what society expected of me. And so I, I got into trouble with the law and then which was a godsend because I was able to utilize that to, um, uh, 
court, court had ordered me to go to therapy and do community service and like basically get and have a certain GPA. And so it was either I go to jail or I get my life together. And so that really helped as well. That was kind of a pivotal moment that began to shape uh, the choice that I was going to have to make. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, I was on medication for anxiety and depression. And again, just having all of these ailments. My mom one day came home, she was working at the children's hospital in, in Hollywood at the time. And her friend had suggested that I try meditation because meditation was known to reduce stress and anxiety and all of these things. And so she came home with some pamphlets from the self-realization fellowship. If you're not familiar with the self-realization fellowship, it's a, uh, it's a school philosophy of thought organization that was founded by Paramahansa Yogananda back in the, in the thirties, twenties and thirties. He was one of the first people to bring yoga to the West. Mm -hmm. And so it's very esoteric, right? These pamphlets had all of this, the, the power of manifestation and, and build the life of your dreams, the power of affirm, the scientific power of affirmations, and just like all this really cool esoteric language, which I wasn't raised with. So it was in instantly it called to me because it felt very magical. And so I, I was curious at that point because everything that I was doing wasn't really working. And it just had put me in a place where I was feeling like I either needed to make a choice to figure out what I was doing with myself, or I was going to end up going to jail or die. Right. I mean, that was really like the, the different options. So I ended up going to the self-realization fellowship in Hollywood. So, and it's right off sunset Boulevard. And I went into this place and it was a beautiful building. The grounds are amazing. The walls, everything is beautifully ornate and it feels like a temple. It feels like a place of worship. And I walked in and instantly felt warm and welcomed. But at the same time, I felt totally weirded out by everybody being so nice. <laughs> You're like, what you do you know? want? Yeah. <laughs> like people were smiling and it felt a little woo woo, right. you know, and it was just a little bit like, Oh, this is definitely a cult. Like for sure. If I ever experienced one, this would, this would be my first experience. So I walked into the temple and they were giving a lecture and there was this woman giving a lecture about happiness and how we are responsible for our own happiness. And she was saying all of these really beautiful things. And I was, I was so compelled and drawn to what she was saying as I was sitting there still waiting. I was like waiting for the meditation or lecture to start. And as I looked around, I'm like seeing this woman speak and I realized, Oh no, she's, She's, I was waiting for the guy, right? Like the guy to come in to do the lecture, like the priest or mm -hmm. whatever, the leader. And then I realized that this woman, it was this woman. The woman was the guy. <laughs> like she was, she was the one, she was the person giving the lecture about how breathing and meditation and being a kind human will help manifest the life of your dreams. And so everything she was saying was really speaking to me. And I, I could say that I had a spiritual awakening in that moment at the age of 16 where I felt, wow, like this is, this is, this feels like the component that I was missing in my life. I was missing that 
belief that I can change my life, that I could do something different because at that point I had never imagined what that would be. Mm-hmm. You know, there was an inner knowing, but I wasn't integrating the fact that it was actually a possibility, you know? Um, so, so that completely shifted everything for me. I, I started to, you know, I purchased books on meditation and mindfulness and yoga and and I began practicing yoga as a way of life before I started practicing physically. Mm -hmm. I didn't start practicing yoga asana until uh, maybe three or four years later when I was about 19. Um, so, so that was my introduction. And once I, I started practicing yoga asana, I, I began to change everything. You know, we went from this highly anxious, depressed, oh, severely overweight, teenager who just didn't really have a strong desire to build anything to now I was working out. I was learning about nutrition and food and I was beginning to practice visualization and cultivate feelings of what happiness is and what a beautiful life would look like. And that that's, that's what took off my, or that's where my yogic journey, I guess, began. I paid myself through call. I paid through my, um, education. So I was able to, you know, get a job where I was able to afford to go to college and pay through college. And I acquired a really fancy job managing a chain of hair salons in, in West Hollywood and Beverly Hills. And then I did that for a couple of years. And then from there, I, went to go work for, you know, in a a very famous, uh, fitness wellness guru. And I learned a lot from her. And it was during this time in my mid twenties where I realized that I had put in my time building from the bottom, building a career, building a life that, that I had seen that in the eyes of even my family or the people I grew up with would say, this is success. Mm -hmm. But then I got to another place in my life where it just didn't feel like I was fulfilled. I was, I'd already done what I needed to do in order to, I'm doing air quotes, succeed in the eyes of my people. Right. I had a stable job. I, you know, was getting educated. I was able to help my family and I was financially free but I just wasn't feeling the fulfillment of this practice that I still had been practicing. There was a component missing. And I think that that's when I made the realization that I wanted to do something bigger and I wanted to do something more. And I wanted to be able to share everything I learned with people that I feel would really benefit from it. And so I, I decided to do a yoga teacher training. And once I did that yoga teacher training, I realized, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to do this. I want to be able to teach people everything that I learned when I was a teenager that helped save my life mm-hmm. in a way that's that's going to propel people forward so that they can recognize their potential and live a life of fulfillment. And so and that and so that's what I did. I quit my job like a year later and I I started my career and my business. And I started from the bottom 
during the recession, which was the worst possible time for me to quit my job. When people probably <laughs> needed it the most. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, this was like a big, this was a huge thing. And for those of you that don't know my, my partner, he's also a entrepreneur. So here now I'm, I'm an entre- entrepreneur. He's an entrepreneur and it's during the recession mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's like the worst possible time to go into business for yourself. But the beauty of that is that I was so tenacious and dedicated and I, and I believed so hard and I really attribute that to this practice and I, I was able to make it work. Now I work with people, you know, and sometimes they're like, well, I just want to quit my job. I think I want to do what you did. And I'm, I never recommend that now, Right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I, I just feel like uh, looking back, I don't regret what happened and how I did it, but I do wish I would have done things a little bit differently. I think it would have made certain things not take as long had I been a little bit more mindful and methodical in the beginning. But so now that's what I get to teach. So I, um, Tori and I moved to Portland for a couple of years and still doing what I'm doing, teaching yoga. And I basically started from teaching, forcing my friends and people that I knew, you know, I worked at a hair salon for a really long time. So I forced a lot of the people to be my students (laughs) and, um, and it just built from that. I then began to do work with nonprofits and go to, um, continuation schools and, um, go to the Y in downtown to go work with at-risk youth, you know, like essentially talking to kids that were going through what I went through as a a younger, Mm -hmm. um, kid, you know? So yeah, I did that. And, and, you know, time just goes on and people get to know your work and who you are. And I, I started there and I went to get to a place where I was teaching for Nike and Lululemon. And I started to teach NFL players and NBA all-stars and Olympic athletes and actors and actresses. And it just kind of transformed into this, this thing, you know, that I, I, I don't think it's, it's not, it's not me. It's the practice, right? It's, it's the philosophical system. It's the mindfulness. It's the methodology behind something that's been time tested that works. And, um, and I, I guess I can say I'm a, I can attest to that, right? Because my life wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't for these types of practices. Well, and I think it's really a beautiful thing too, because it's like, you are able to share your practice with these these people, but you also have such a personal connection to it. You know, it's it's helped you from a mindset, you know, physiological and and emotional perspective. And it's so I was I was raised in a very um, violent neighborhood as well, and I didn't realize the effect it had on me until much later in life, and realize that the hyper vigilance you feel is not normal right? Always worried about security and always being concerned. And I turned to meditation and yoga to help anxiety attacks. Um, And it has been just a life changer um, for me, a game changer that like I spouted off to anybody and everyone. They're probably so irritated with me by now (laughs) because whenever anyone's like, I'm having a hard time, like, but did you meditate? (laughs) Like when was the last time you went to your yoga class? 
And because uh-huh, uh-huh. it, it becomes your Ritalin. It becomes your Ativan. It becomes your – and not saying that those things aren't necessary for, for – I, I, I totally believe that if medication is, is right for you, you should absolutely handle the, um, go that route. Um, absolutely. But for me, um, I, I was able to just kind of die to those panic attacks on my mat, you know, and get to a place where I could be clear-headed for the very first time. And I remember mm-hmm. telling a friend who introduced me to Bikram yoga years and years and years ago, like, this is the first time I've ever not been in my head. I, you know, and they're like, how can you be there? And it's so hot and it's so this and it's so that. And I'm like, I, I'm not thinking. And it's yeah. the first oh, time that I'm not good. thinking, you know. And I, I mentioned to you when we did your your interview on your podcast that I find my answers on my mat. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just love it as as a complete and total like overall practice. Um, and and what a beautiful what a beautiful story and, and way of kind of giving back, especially um, talking to at risk youth about yeah. mindfulness because I know that there is a lot of interest in meditation and mindfulness in school and how it can help those kids and what it it's kind of like you got a court ordered self development offer exactly <laughs> no that's oh no Jeanette that is exactly what happened and in fact it's so fascinating to me the people that came into my life at that time it was almost like the army of angels that was supposed to guide me came in at that time, which was so incredible. My therapist at the time and the woman who was leading the, our, so I had to go to anger management. (laughs) That was, I don't know why, but that was part of, um, that was part of, that was part of the, yeah, the, my court ordered punishment or whatever. (laughs) Um, so that and uh, oh, there was something. Oh, my the the woman where I did my community service, and all three of them were really into self development. They were really into Tony Robbins. I they love were really it. into right. And and so I was just at that age started to learn about all the self development tools and all of these different modalities of bettering yourself again, coming from a, a background where victimhood is, is a disease. Like this is part of what I was raised around this idea that, Oh, well, you know, that's life. Yeah. Like life happens to you, not for you. And I think that one of the biggest lessons I had to learn in that, and even now that I can look back on is that, that life is, is life works for you, right? The universe, the universe works for you. And so this was the whole basis of radically loved, right? What radically loved means radically loved is this idea that we are radically loved and radically supported by, by, you know, whatever your higher powers, God, universe source that works for you, the universe, you can, you can build the life that you want. And I think that that was one of the biggest gifts that I was able to receive from that from, you know, getting arrested and being grown and growing up in that environment. Mm. I think that's so powerful too, because it's like you're, you're out of control, right? In those environments, yes. you're completely out of control. And in my neighborhood, it was very, um, we had traffickers across the street, drug dealers, um, prostitutes. There was, my neighbor murdered someone, my next door neighbor would choke his wife in the morning. Like it was just, yeah. there's all this violence around me and especially towards women, 
right? And mm-hmm. so I, I realized much later, like, not only did it really affect me, but it's probably why I'm so involved in wanting to help women because I saw women discarded like trash or beaten yeah. on a weekly basis. And I think it's fascinating that, like, all of a sudden you're like, I can control my own life. Right. I can build I don't I don't have to ascribe to any right. of this. Like I don't have to have this life or or um be attached to where I came from. I can actually build it myself. And what a powerful gift to be sixteen and all of a sudden be like, Oh wow, I can I can manage my own future. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's really Well beautiful. and so I just going back to what you were saying with the work that you do, it's like then I my yogic sense looks at the karma of that and says, Well, that's why you you were born, you, you had a, you birthed a little Buddha. Oh yes. That's why, you know what I mean? I'm just like, Oh, that's how Olivia chose you to come in to be like, okay, here it is. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's so amazing. And I love that. You know, it's kind of like full circle because Mm -hmm. in so many ways, I feel like she's my teacher, um, and, and building this really beautiful, this beautiful life. So I love that, that kind of karmic circle. That's really beautiful. For so many people, like I talked to so many women, men, everybody, I mean, about being mindful and a meditative practice or a yoga practice. And one of the things I hear the most is how difficult it is. And it's like, I think we have this achievement society where they feel like it's not perfect, right? Like, oh, but I don't know how to do it. And I get fidgety and I get this and I get that. And so I'm so curious, like when you're talking to people about these practices, like what advice do you give them in order to to step into that? Uh, I'm like, uh, <laughs> you're like, where do well, I start? <laughs> where do I start? Well, the first thing I like to tell people that are curious and have already tried it, you know, if you, if you think you're doing it wrong, you're doing it right. Mm. Like, because initially at, at the inception is the desire is. So if you've already had the desire to, attempt a practice like mindfulness or meditation or, you know, have, have it be a practice mindfulness as a technique. Right. So I, I can sometimes interchange in like interchangeably use both mindful and mindfulness and meditation. But I always say you're, you're doing it right. Right. When you have the desire, a lot of the times people think here, here's like the FAQs, right? How can I meditate if my mind won't stop? I can't get my mind to stop. So the scientific answer to that is that your brain is, is never going to, it doesn't stop. It's designed to not stop because your, your brain is designed to, to keep you alive. Mm. That's its job. Its job is to continue to assess and analyze and reassess and reanalyze and continue. It's like a computer, right? So when you understand that meditation is a tool, mindfulness is a tool. It's just like, like prayer is a tool. There are tools to get your mind focused on a point for a long period of time without interruption, right? That's the definition of meditation. So for people that are curious or they're beginning or they feel like, well, you know, I try to concentrate on just my breathing and my mind trails off the idea of meditation. And when meditation happens, it's when you're able, when you have the ability to discern when you trail off and can you come back 
And how many times can you come back? It's like, okay, I'm going to visualize in my mind's eye. I'm going to see the flame of a candle. Okay. Candle flame, candle flame. Okay. Wait, hold on. I got to go. I'm hungry. I got to go get some. Okay. Wait, no candle, candle. Wait, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? Wait, no candle flame, candle flame. Oh, I got to do this tomorrow. Oh, oh, you know what? I just got a really great idea. Oh, you know what? This is what I need to do tomorrow. And I got to send this email. Wait, candle flame. Right. Right. So it's that constant. Your mind's going to do that. So the moment that you can accept the fact that your brain is going to do and your mind is going to go, you know, and you have the, the choice and the power to bring it back to that candle flame. That's you're doing the practice, right? You're doing the practice and you're doing it right. I remember someone telling me I did. So I've, I've done like breath work. I did it. I did the transcendental meditation. I've done all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny. I have to tell you this. So like, you know, they give you a mantra for the transcendental yep, meditation. The TM. I yes. took Olivia and had her do it because she's having a hard time sleeping. And she has been trying to get me to tell her my mantra for oh, like two no. years now. She's like, I won't tell anyone. And I'm like, it's that it's a secret. And she's like, but you know mine. And I'm like, because I'm your mom. It's just so funny. But um, one of the things I remember them saying that I thought was really powerful was like, don't worry about what happens in the meditation, right? Mm-hmm. Just keep bringing yourself back to that mantra or to that flame or to that breath. And don't be like, oh, my God, I can't do this. Just keep bringing yourself back to it. And don't get agitated or frustrated with yourself that you don't feel like you did it purposely. What you'll recognize is the difference you feel outside of meditation. And I was like, amen. Because when I have a strong meditative practice, I do not have anxiety attacks. I do not have anxiety period I'm able to kind of manage life I have better tools I don't think it's something where it's like I'm healed it's more like I it's a tool to help me kind of focus and get through life and kind of look at things and be like I'm okay (laughs) you know yeah Yeah, I mean those and those are extremely powerful for everything function performance uh interacting in relationships all of those things it cultivates a deeper sense it it makes you less reactive mm-hmm. and instead of reacting, it makes you act more wisely. So it, it taps into the, the different part of your brain, right? I mean, it's, it's not tapping into your, um, reactive, you know, animalistic part of the mind. It's, it's reacting from a place of wisdom, you know, the frontal lobe of the brain, mm-hmm. like where we're able to discern those choices where we can take a moment and take a deep breath when somebody goes off or if something happens, you're not reactive. Somebody cuts you off. You're not instantly like, you know, pressed in your chest and, and have the desire to react. You know, you're able to take a moment and, uh, and realize, Oh, that person just cut me off and flipped me off and they're, obviously in suffering or they're, they're in a moment of, uh, chaos and and that's okay. And I'm going to just send them love and hope that they're okay. And that they don't get in a car wreck or that they don't do anything that they're going to regret later in life. You know, um, I think that that, that meditation really allows us to tap into that innate wisdom that we already have it also allows us to tap into a higher sense of being and a higher sense of consciousness. And so what I love about TM, cause I, I, and I've studied TM for a long time and I'm a, I'm a big fan. It's not my lineage. Um, 
but I'm very familiar with the, the TM method and mm-hmm. um, a, a lot of the teachings of Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. And I, I love that their basis is all about calming the nervous system. And one of the things that I love the most, and this is if, if you're going to take one thing away from this conversation, um, it's this control your breath, control your life. Mm-hmm. If you can control your breath, because again, the, the yogis believed, and this is something that Maharishi taught a lot and Maharishi Mahishi Yogi was the yogic philosophical teacher of the Beatles. So that's how a lot of people know, you know, who he is a, a lot, uh, as well as a lot of other influential people. Um, but it, it's really about calming the nervous system and creating, a, a different state of being, right? So when we're in, when we're in our fight or flight, right, when we're in a fight or flight, which is the, uh, the sympathetic nervous system, right? When we are in fight or flight, we are tense. We're not breathing. Our body contracts and our mind is sharpened. So we're in the state of just being like reactive, right? Think about it. Something happened. Somebody's yelling at you. You're not breathing. If you're reading an email where it's really upsetting you, you're not breathing. If something's, if you're watching a scary movie, you're not breathing, right? Just notice your breathing. Notice the t- notice the moments when you can take really long deep breaths. It's mm. when you're in a yoga class. It's when you're in a meditation practice. It's when you're out outdoors in nature, when you're standing in front of um, a mass body of water, or ocean, or you're in a beautiful temple or wherever you are where you can just take a deep breath and realize, wow, like this feels good. The idea of meditation is cultivating that feeling more often so that when you do get those moments of challenge, you are still able to stay in that grace. You're still able to stay in that deep breath cycle. I challenge people to see if they can still be mad and breathe calmly at the same time. That's interesting. I've noticed that like I especially when you pay attention to your breath, um, in the, in some of the yoga practices, it's, you can't think about other things. Mm-hmm. You know, you're so con, you're so aware of, of your body that it's harder to have those kind of like silly little thoughts floating around. Um, yeah. I love it. How do you feel about, um, meditation apps? Like if for people, so this is the one thing that I get frustrated with. I feel mm-hmm. like those who have not yet come to their own practice feel like that there's a right or a wrong way to do it and that there's a lot of practitioners and there's a lot of companies out there who want to sell you on the perfect way to do it, right? So mm-hmm. they're like, you need to download this app. You need to do it for 20 minutes twice a day. You need to do it for 10 minutes in the morning. You need to be in a quiet place. You have to be seated. You have to be lying. You need this special pillow. <laughs> What's your thought process? <laughs> Sorry, I laugh because it's just, I guess when you put it like that, I'm like, wow, they are, there's a lot there's of different options lot. out there. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't believe in any of that. I believe in all of it, but I don't believe in any of it yeah. just to get started. Right. Like if you need an app, if you need to be guided, do it. You don't need to be seated up tall in a perfect vertical position. You can lay down or just be comfortable. Comfort, comfort is the key. If you're not going to be comfortable, then you're going to have a really hard time concentrating and just focusing on your breath, for example, because you're just going to be concentrating on the pain. So 
my recommendation is choose the practice that you're going to do and do the practice that you're going to do. Like choose one. My recommendation is always like, don't, don't go into the uh, buffet of meditations. Like find one that you like Mm -hmm. and, and do it, do it for a week, do it for two weeks and just see how it feels. Some people I encounter really need the variety, Yeah, but it's the people that need the variety that need the single one the most, right? It's like, if you're really craving, wanting a different meditation every day, you may be the type of person that just needs to do one over and over and, and over. fall in love with it. Yeah. And fall in love with it. Yeah. And, and not, I'm not saying for the rest of your life. I mean, I know that TM, it's like you get your mantra for life and then, and that's your mantra and that's, that's your practice. And it's, you know, twice a day, 20 minutes a day, which is great. And for a lot of people, a lot of my friends, they really love it. Um, and I, I enjoy it. I enjoy practicing very, it, it, my practice is very akin to TM. Like mm-hmm. it's very similar, right? So I, I always say that it doesn't matter the time of the day, do it when you're going to do it, but commit. Can you make a commitment to do it? Can you wake up a little extra earlier and do five minutes? I mean, really all it takes scientifically, right? This is, these are the, the results that they've seen. It just takes five minutes for, of, of mindful breathing and observation to create more gray matter in your brain. So it's, you just need five, five minutes. Like there's 1440 minutes in the day. You can peel off five minutes to, to do your practice. Yeah. And I think it comes down to that commitment. It's that, it's that commitment to, to find the thing, not be overwhelmed by the options, find the thing that works for you and recognize that that five minutes has such a profound effect on not only you, I'm a better parent when I'm, when I'm meditating and taking care of my body. And, and especially if I'm doing both yoga and meditation, like if I'm, I'm back in my yoga practice and I'm, I'm going multiple times per week, um, I definitely feel like I am a lot calmer and it's easier for me to handle. Like I will, I will admit I don't like it being yelled at or flipped off in traffic. I'm always like, what did I do? So I got to get, I got to get to that place of grace <laughs> oh, that you mentioned. Don't get, yeah. I don't, don't send them wrong. love. Yo, totally. <laughs> no, I, I'm the same way. Like, don't get it twisted just because I'm, you know, a yogi doesn't mean that I'm not a, a, a I can't freak out because <laughs> right? that happens totally. I'm still that person. If I don't do my practice, I mean, I can't, I don't know what it's like to not do my practice, but mm-hmm. if I don't meditate as long as I like, yeah, I can tell can a difference. difference. Like I, I'm a little shorter. I'm a little like yeah. easily, a, a lot more easily in, um, irritated and it just, it's just not great. <laughs> so it's amazing. Yeah. Well, and Olivia, so my daughter, she um, she was having a really hard time falling asleep at night. And so we were kind of just so frustrated. And I took mm-hmm. her in and had her get her mantra, learn her practice. And with children, they have them do it while they're brushing their teeth um, when they're really little. So she would do her mantra while she was brushing her teeth. No lie, her dad called me and was like, she's asleep by 8.30, 9 o'clock every night. What did you do to her? <laughs> oh, was wow. Like, she has such a – just a, a, a active mind and she needed that that two minutes of toothbrushing time 
to get completely free and it almost kind of reset her nervous system. Um, oh my, I love that so much. Yeah, it was such a great thing. And then she got mad at me because I wouldn't give her my mantra. She's like, I'm not going to do it if you don't tell me yours. I just, oh my that's, goodness. but that was when she was like five. We're kind of over that now. But um, I want to ask you, so I have two things that I, I ask everyone okay. and I want to know because especially knowing your, your story, um, oh. if you were to look at a, a younger version of yourself, pick an age and kind of see her, tell me what she looks like and what does she need from you? What would you say to her? Ah, well, the first, first thing that came to mind, and it could be because I have a picture on my desk right now when you said that, is me at six years old. Um, and she's, she's just like, she's on this little tricycle and she's just like so happy, right? You can see the chaos around her. There's like beer cans and like (laughs) dirt and stuff. And it's just so metaphorical, right? Um, I would, oh God, I would hug her and tell her that everything is okay and that she should continue to listen to her inner voice, that it will not lead her astray. I love it. It's really beautiful. And it's especially knowing, you know, learning that, kind of the stress of the environment was hard for you later on, kind of that that comforting, like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> You're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I see you. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. If you were to leave one gold nugget of wisdom or inspiration behind on this earth based on your life experiences, what would it be? I feel like you do it every day, but <laughs> based on what you teach, but what would it be? I think it would tie into – yeah, you're right. I mean, what I do radically loved, I would, I would say to just trust that there's always more, you know, more love, more faith, more belief, more joy, more fulfillment, more dedication, more discipline. Just trust that there's always more. I love that. I love the the trajectory of your storyline where it's coming from a place of chaos to a place of creation, you know, and mm-hmm. taking taking radical radical ownership of of your life and your health and the ability. And I don't know about you, but I get this impression. I know this is how I feel. I'm always curious about what can be, knowing how powerful we are as creators and that we are very supported in in so many ways as long as we kind of step into that place of creation. And I get that impression from you that there's kind of a, an act of curiosity that there's, like you said, there's more. There's more out there. Yes. And and I am really, when I think about the trajectory of my life and getting to this place, I think really what I love the most is being able to meet women like you that are doing that same thing. And to me, I that's always my wish. People are always like, well, what do you, what, what are you trying to manifest more in your life now? What are you trying to create? And for me, it's this, it's, it's connecting with more women that are on that same trajectory that are helping to keep hoist each other up and, and motivate each other and support each other and just hold each other like how we did in, in the tribal times when we would sit around a, a fire and, 
and pray for each other and hold each other and, and just be there to support each other. So I, I thank you for that because I, I know that that's what you're also creating in, in your world. And I, I think it's, it's so beautiful and magical and I'm, I'm really honored mm, to be a part you. of it. That means the world to me. It's so, it's like so nice. And I think it's, it's such a, a beautiful thing when you find like-minded souls, right? And it's just, you can feel the connection and the magic and, I feel blessed as well. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being open to talking and sharing your gold and taking the time with my listeners. And I can't wait to sit down and you can talk me into yoga teacher training. Yes. (laughs) I love it. Thank you, Rosie. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I love Rosie's passion for her practice and her desire to lead the way for others because of her own personal experience. Yoga and meditation has changed lives and I hope you take some great tips or even the whisperings to begin your own practice if you haven't already. If you have, take the pressure off your shoulders when you don't feel like it's going well and feel the blessings in the in-between. It is outside of meditation that you find its benefits. You can find Rosie on IG at Rosie Acosta and her website, www.radicallyloved.com. Rosie and I talk about doing deep work to uncover your messaging, which is the cardinal point of my new book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future. Get into the work with me. Lore is available now on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. I'm always interested in content that uplifts, so if you have things you'd like to hear about, please share them with me in the comments. You can also find me on Instagram at ms.janetteschneider or Twitter at msjwrites. If you want some help moving toward that intentional life, join me every week on my intention journey. I'm inviting you totally free from my heart to your inbox. Sign up for my love notes at janetteschneider.com and before you even wake up on Monday mornings, there will be a huge dose of motivation waiting for you. Yes, I will wake you up on Monday morning with intention-setting prompts and give you some tips as to what is setting my soul on fire. On Fridays, I'm going to remind you to let go, recharge, and love yourself up with some self-care prompts to get present in your downtime. Intentional living is where it's at, y'all. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.